Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Giles Gale, Theo Chapsalis and Jana Brusi. Before getting into today's discussion, I'd just like to remind you all, if you liked today's episode, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Okay, busy week this week, I think particularly in the US. So let's start there because we've had, well, lots to talk about. So Jan, I will let you talk about all of that. But um, let's start, um, I suppose, with we're recording this on uh, Wednesday. So last night was the uh, Fed renomination hearing for Powell. Did we learn anything new from that that would shift the needle really on your uh, expectations for the policy outlook for the rest of the year? Whether it shifted the needle, I don't think so. We learned a couple of new things. I'll get to that. But I think most importantly is that Powell was very balanced in his speech. Going into the renomination meeting, there was a lot of hawkish momentum built in. I mean, people were, you know, people were, uh, markets were just selling off the front end pricing in more hikes just because there was no, nothing new coming out. And there was strong inertia towards a more hawkish view of, uh, on how, the, how quick are the Fed's going to react. I think at the renomination hearing, it was very balanced. Uh, markets were braced for a continuation of this hawkish Powell, and they just didn't get that like two months ago. He acknowledged that it, 2022 was going to be a month for, uh, a year for policy normalization, but we didn't really get any much more than that. Yes, we will see rate hikes. Yes, we will see balance sheet normalization. We already knew this. It's not really a new bit of information, and he didn't really go out of his way to emphasize any of those points. I just thinking about Powell's uh, Powell's hearing, the most recent hearing in late November in front of Congress again, and he was so much more hawkish. He made this whole pivot about faster taper, about uh, the need to react faster, retiring the transitory. I mean, we didn't get anything like that yesterday. So, so I think that was the main difference, and that kind of took a little bit off the steam. A from the January meeting and uh, be just from the building up of this rhetoric for no reason. Uh, you know, the lack of commentary basically was as if they're giving more hawkish fuel to the, to the market. And finally on QT, we did get a little bit of information. So two things that are worth highlighting there, I think. The first is Powell confirmed that purchases will end, net purchases will end in March, basically, takes off a lot from the liveness of the January meeting. We're less likely to get any uh, big surprises there. Uh, there was discussions that they could announce the end of net purchases, for example. I don't think we're going to get that now. And uh, the other thing was, he mentioned it takes about two to four meetings for the committee to reach this decision on the details around QT. And if we include the December as the first discussion meeting, that gives us a May to June timeline for where they could come up with a little bit more details around uh, around quantitative timing. Okay, I, I know you mentioned it there, and I'm sure all of our listeners know. But just for completeness, when we say QT, we do mean quantitative yes, timing. <laughs> um, so the other, I guess, bit of news out of the US, and we are recording this 
literally fresh after. So I've not given you a huge amount of time to gather your thoughts, but we had a slightly stronger than expected um, inflation print today. But actually, the market reaction is probably the opposite to what you would expect uh, to a, a stronger than consensus inflation print. Does that go back to what you were saying at, kind of at the beginning of the podcast about this kind of hawkish shift being quite well priced in now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, inflation is running at a seven handle. You know, there has to be a big delta for the markets to really say the Fed needs to go much faster. March is priced in for an 80% probability of a hike. I mean, they can push it to, I guess, 50%, but not at the, not at slightly above consensus. I mean, things really have to spiral out of control, I think, for the market to really be, uh, they're going to go a little bit more aggressive. Uh, at the same time, I mean, we're still looking at the details of, of the breakdown. Like you said, it just came out. Seems like used cars are again the, the usual uh, culprit driving the large miss in, in, uh, against forecasts. But I think the conclusion here was that the market was pretty well priced in and uh, there needed to be a serious upside downside move to really change the stance of the Fed. If it came 0%, for example, month on month today, that would still leave inflation at like a six handle even. So the Fed is not really pulling back from the, uh, from the direction they are. They're also not going to go any faster, not from what we get from today. So I think the market reaction is appropriate, uh, more or less, or at least not surprising. And going forward, inflation should decelerate over the next couple of months going to the spring as the base effects wear off. And going to the summer, it should start sidelining according to our uh, economics forecast. So... And, but, but mind you, we still have about 3% PC by the end of this year, which is still well above the Fed's 2% target. Okay, that makes sense. So I guess just to round off the discussion with, you know, with the Fed and inflation and policy, last week um, you kind of talked about a tentative timeline for, uh, well, policy for the rest of the year, but I guess probably most importantly, the timeline now for quantitative tightening QT. I think over the past week, you've kind of finalised that, outlook so can you just give us a rundown now of what what we're expecting in in the next few fed meetings and and when we can look out for announcements and everything else yeah we did finalize after we recorded a podcast last week so now we're looking at again three hikes for this year we're looking at june uh, sorry march june and december and we think there's going to be a announcement for the balance sheet rundown or quantitative tightening uh in september to start effectively beginning of october the September call is a very close one. It could be June. It could be September. I mean, we're not really uh, strictly set that saying it has to be September. It could roll down to June, depending on, on how fast things evolve. But my, my inclination is that they would go to September because the Fed's main tool of addressing policy needs is through interest, rate, uh, interest rates. So if they only hike once, and still really haven't made that, uh, haven't moved the needle that much in interest rates and immediately moved to, uh, to balance sheet normalization, it just feels like they're stepping that up, moving past that step a little bit too quickly before allowing for their main policy reaction tool to, uh, to, do, to do its work. On the other hand, they will be faster this time. The whole cycle will be much quicker. So uh, it's not really surprising if we, if we get a June announcement, but I'm still more inclined to think that September is the is a likely meeting. I mean, it doesn't have to be quarterly. We're just basing it off on previous uh, experiences. They could also, nothing stops them from going in July or May, but uh, our base case remains for a September announcement. Okay, thank you, Jack. 
All right, then over the to the UK, Theo, um, we've seen some quite big moves in um, inflation expectations this week in the UK, particularly at the front end of the curve. What's really been going on there and what's been driving that? I think the very interesting story here is that the UK inflation market in 2020, it was a market that uh, it did surprise to the upside. We had strong prints, strong RPI prints, and we had really inflation expectations going wider and wider. If you look at things such as the one year, one year forward, it ended up uh, at some point trading at almost 480. Now, what we've observed in, in recent weeks, um, really three, four weeks, is, is a significant collapse in front and inflation forwards. And to us, this is very interesting because the inflation narrative has not gotten particularly weaker. Yes, there is volatility with regards to energy costs and energy costs. Um, are really all over the place. I mean, we, we, we used to see, you know, 50 to 20% increases or decreases of specific futures contracts. But again, it's not that we've settled at a much lower level or that something substantially dis disinflationary has happened. So in our view, um, some of those inflation forwards in the UK start to look particularly low. But it's also very interesting, you know, what, what is going on uh, with, um, with, 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 with the rest of the curve. And I would say when, when, I, when I look at longer break events, I think there, again, um, they are still quite uh, cheap, even though less cheap than where they were early in the year. How does this fit, I guess, against uh, BOE policy expectations and the idea that, that there could be a, a policy mistake from the Bank of England? Actually, this is a fantastic point, because the, the, the question that one needs to ask is, okay, fine, how do you tie this in with, with, with rate expectations? And when it comes to rate expectations, we've got, well, we've got a bank rate at above 1.3%, you know, uh, by the end of um, 2023. So we've got, you know, I mean, it's now 1.30, I'm checking the numbers, we are now 1.30 for Sonia rates by the end of the year, which is quite punchy. So the market probably assumes that the BOE will deliver that policy mistake or that they will deliver, you know, very fast tightening this year, and then that will have implications in the year after. And this is why the one year one year forward is so weak. I mean, th this is this is, you know, one explanation that I could give to that. But to me, it's very interesting because the BOE, they are aware of that. And um, they, they know that they monitor those numbers. They know what's going on in the market. So if you know that there are risks that you may be committing a policy mistake and everybody tells you that, well, probably you will be careful not to commit a policy mistake given the reputational risk of such a policy mistake. So in our view, uh, we think that this policy mistake story um, is more used in terms of an interesting story, something you know uh, that, that that can create headlines rather than something more fundamental. And we think that the BOE will actually be more patient. This is why we expect the bank rate to reach zero point seven five percent by end of the year, not to be above one point two five, which is a significant difference when it comes to the to the timing of the hikes. And. Then I guess I know it's still far away, but beyond the end of this year, then do you see the bank rate still gradually rising beyond 0.75%, perhaps towards that 1.25, 1.3 level, or do they get to 0.75 and, and have to pause? 
Yeah, I think this is probably the well, the billion or the trillion pound question. It's 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 very critical what happened to with uh, with, with with the rate. Um, in our view, it continues rising. It keeps rising in 2023, and this is important. And this is where we are different. So we think that yes, this 125 is not particularly high. The timing is very odd that everything will be delivered this year and the next year, absolutely nothing. So we struggle with that. We think that you can have, you know, one hike in February, another one in August, and then you can have again hikes in February and August of 2023, which takes you, you know, to that 125, but it takes you to that 125 at a more gradual path. And you have the opportunity as a BOE to pretty much assess rather than blindly deliver hikes and then pulling them back. The other point that we need to say is that it is an opportunity also to test QT, you know, and to what extent this QT can be delivered. So in our view, the BOE, they, they do want to test different bits. Now, you probably don't want to test them all at the same time, and you want to be cautious rather than taking too many steps and then, you know, having to backpedal. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'll let you into a secret. I have to remortgage at the end of this year. So I'm even more biased than normal to hope that NatWest Market's view is right versus the market. <laughs> um, all right, last but not least then, Giles, we've had um, strong inflation in the US. And then since we caught up last week on the pod, we've had um, you know slightly stronger than expected inflation um, in Europe too. Um, do we think that this is the peak now of the inflation cycle? Is it all kind of downhill from here? Or is there more strength? I guess, particularly with regard to Europe, is, is there more strength to come? I mean, it's probably the peak. That's, uh, that's our base case. Now, the, the really interesting thing is not whether it comes down, but just how fast it comes down, right? I mean, you know, um, in three or six months' time, will we still be as confident as we are now that we will get back to, back to the inflation target in, uh, in a couple of years? And you know, I think that that is as uncertain as ever. And you know, we're really not going to get a, I mean, we, we don't have a clean read on that at this point. You know, we're going to have to watch and see what happens to things like uh, wages over over the coming months. So, so yeah, I mean it's a it's a high number. It's um, you know, pretty comfortably the highest ever um, in the in the history of the series. So you know, pretty eye catching. Um, no, but we shouldn't get overly focused either on that or the fact that it comes back down from that. <laughs> really, um, just on on this point, I mean, I. I I'd just like to say, you know, just to illustrate the, the degree of, um, of uncertainty, I mean, uh, I thought it was interesting that in Schnabel's speech, we haven't had a lot of, uh, of ECP speakers actually really since the start of the, the year, but you know, Isabel Schnabel made the point that um, you know, if you make the assumption that energy costs continue to contribute to inflation at roughly their average you know, total contribution over the long term you know, of two or three tenths of a percentage point, and that would actually put you at two percent uh, for your forecast, or that would have put the staff forecast at two percent at their um, at their inflation horizon. So, you know, there's all to play for. 
yeah, still, still a lot of uncertainty around, I suppose. Now, the other high number that we've had this week, and that was a bit of a tenuous link because it's nothing to do with inflation, but never mind, um, is uh, uh, with regard to supply. Now, we, sp- we spoke briefly about that, um, I think, on the pod last week, but obviously it's kind of continued into this week. We've had a, a fair amount of supply um, in the euro area. I guess SSAs have been leading the way, but but it's been quite a heavy week. How well has the market been digesting that supply and, and how well do you think it might digest it, you know, for the remainder of, of January and Q1 going forwards? Well, so far, it's all gone pretty well. Um, I mean, some of it's gone very well, to be honest with you. I don't think that that's necessarily too much of a surprise. Uh, I mean, the supply is always sold, right? It always finds somewhere to go. Um, I think, you know, we we started off the year with um, with some feedback from real money type investors that cash positions were relatively high, uh, particularly in credit. It seems like there was reasonably strong demand so you know, i think and i think we are seeing that um i think the interesting the really interesting question is going to be first how will investors want to continue to to, to buy um you know will they be buying out of cash at these sorts of levels will they be buying against swaps or maybe because swap spreads are, are already pretty wide maybe they'll find government hedges and if more than usual is hedged then you know what's the total duration impact of that um at the moment we're not seeing much of an impact on on asset swaps and i think um that you know, that's certainly surprising me a little bit and i think that's probably surprising quite a few people to be honest with you so that that is one thing to watch um yeah uh you know but then remember that this time last year the supply in early january was also taken down very very well and it was only in February that the kind of frustrated, or I guess the, you know, the frustrated demand from the latter part of, uh, of, of the year when supply is lighter and you know, the cash has kind of been put to work and people go, right, so where are we? We've, you know, we've, we've done what we thought we had to do, but uh, actually did we do that at the right sort of level? And then there was that big correction. And so I don't think that you know, the the read from the early year supply having gone reasonably well is obviously bullish at all, and it doesn't really um, well it doesn't it doesn't change our, our our bearish conviction at all to be honest with you at this point. Okay, now my million dollar question for you, since I had that wasn't it. <laughs> no, that was not it. Uh, when are we getting to zero in in ten year bond yields? We're so close, but kind of hovering. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it should be this week, really. I mean, you know, I guess the the CPI wasn't quite high enough. We've got, um, you know, we've got we've got U.S. supply uh, this week, tens and thirties, and you know, last year, um, you know, big corrections. I mean, U.S. led corrections were. Often associated with uh, U.S. supply events, I think it's probably too early in the year for for that. To be honest with you, and it doesn't seem like the other the other conditions are unnecessary. That you know the, the overall level of uncertainty doesn't seem seem high enough. But no, I'm I I still think I wouldn't be. Let's put it this way: I'm going to answer your question by just saying I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know, many listeners wonder why we're even asking the question because we're already there. 
<laughs> all right there we go Boncast listeners you heard it here first uh all right everyone thank you very much for joining me this week i think that's probably all we have time for uh, but we will catch up again next week and just a reminder to our listeners if you like today's episode please hit the like button to show your appreciation and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes in your inbox as soon as they're available thanks see you next week bye